guidance and strength from your word. We honor you and thank you, and we ask all of these things before you're seated. Let's clap our hands once again unto the Lord and magnify. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Eleven years had passed since Paul had been with the Philippians. But when the Philippians heard that Paul was in prison in Rome, they sent Epaphroditus to Rome with an offering and their greetings to Paul, who was in prison. Paul then returns this epistle. He greets them, he thanks them for their kindness, which was like a bouquet of fresh flowers in a prison cell. You ever thankful for when you feel like you're in jail or in prison somewhere that someone just tells you, I'm praying for you, or they bring a kind word to you? That means very, very much. Anybody ever been encouraged by somebody that just had the ability to say, you know what, I know you're going through thick and thin and it's difficult and it's tough, but I'm praying for you. There is power in prayer and there's power in encouragement. We need to be people of encouragement. You know, the world's full of people that are negative and want to tear down stuff. It should be us, the people of God, that want to build things, not tear down things. There are in this passage, in this gospel, or in this epistle, in this epistle, there are some distinct gems. If you read through Philippians, you will come across some amazing passages of Scripture. Shall we reflect on just a few of them tonight? Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to tell you tonight, nobody's going to have to coerce that out of me. But I'm in the house of God tonight willingly saying you are King of kings and Lord of lords over everything. And I'm going to give you glory. Nobody's going to force me, have to force me, have to rip it out of me, pull it out of me, coerce it out of me, draw it out of me, but I'm giving it willingly in the house of God tonight because he is worthy. He's worthy. How about Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7? But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, that I may but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You need to forget the things that are behind you and start looking for the things that are before you. Too many folks are looking backward and everything that's behind you. All that's going to do is drag you down, deteriorate your walk with God. But if you can get your eyes in front of you and say, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm walking I'm walking down a new road and I'm looking for new things and I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, a high calling. You weren't called with just any calling. It's a high calling. We're not called to do anything or be anything else but the saints of the most high living God. In this place tonight, we were to declare that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. That's our duty. That's our mission. That is our purpose, that God is great and he's greatly to be praised. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what the enemy says, I know God to be a healer. I know God to be a strength. I know God to be authority in my life. And this is why I praise him. This is why I worship him. That's a gem. That's a gem. How about Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Anybody thankful for the word of God tonight? This is the kind of life force that gives you the ability to move through a day with power. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. In the house of God tonight there is peace, and there is a God of peace that brings to us a peace that passes all understanding. If I'm thinking right, if I'm walking right, if I'm living right, there is peace that is attached 
attached to that. If I'm not walking right and I'm not living right and I'm not doing right, there is no peace that can be found. But Paul said the God of peace will walk with you when you get things right. And if there's anybody in the house of God tonight that is determined to make things right, I want to hear from you tonight. I want to know that you're in the building tonight. I want you to let everybody else know I'm here. I'm planting a flag here because I want to walk in peace. Oh, clap your hands. Come on, somebody. Let's praise the Lord together. I thank you, Lord. I give to you thanksgiving and praise and worship you. I'm rejoicing and rejoice again, I say. Rejoice. Nudge your neighbor and tell them it's time for you to start rejoicing. Come on, come on, nudge your other neighbor and tell them, come on, I don't want to see a sad face and a frown. I know there's difficulties, but we got something to rejoice about because we have been redeemed and we serve a great God that can walk with us. Other folks don't have it. We need to tell them that there is a God that's good, a good God that's good all the time, and all the time he's good. Anybody feel faith in this place tonight? Oh, I feel an undergirding in this place. We need to run doubt out of here, confusion out of here, and unbelief and say, this is a place of faith and fortitude and inspiration and passion and authority and peace and mercy and faith and goodness. Well, let me get back to my message here. Praise God, praise God. Sometimes you got to just praise God because it's the right thing to do. Praise God. And then, and then at the very end, in something that is a little more obscure, there is this gem at the end of Philippians. All the saints salute you, especially those of Caesar's household. Remember that Paul is writing this letter from prison. That much is clear from Philippians 1 when he talks about writing to them in his bonds. The date of this letter is somewhere between 58 and 60 A.D., or somewhere between 60 and 62. All the saints salute you, especially those of Caesar's household. <laughs> Apparently, this group particularly requested their greeting be sent to the church at Philippi. This would be a remarkable greeting if this letter contained just Paul's greeting because Paul had been so honored by the fact that the church at Philippi had sent him greetings and an offering. But it is more remarkable because of where it comes from. It comes from those in Caesar's household. If this letter was written in Rome, which at the conclusion of it, we find that Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus writes it from Rome, then it would have referred to those people working either as slaves or freedmen or staff or somehow connected to the household of Nero. 
When Jesus was born, Augustus was the Caesar of Rome. He was followed by Tiberius, about whom it was said that he liked not one single human being and that not one single human being liked him. Don't be that guy. Tiberius was followed by the depraved Gaius Caesar, better known as Caligula or Little Boots. He ruled for four years and was a monster of cruelty and vice. He was finally assassinated in the year A.D. 41. The Praetorian Guard, fearful of a return to a republic, forcibly made Claudius officially Tiberius Claudius Drusus Nero Germanicus the emperor. And for the next 13 years, this strange man of handicapped body and slow speech was the monarch of the Roman world. Claudius was followed in turn by Nero, who ruled for 14 years until his suicide in AD 68. All of these decades were splotched with immorality, depravity, and insanity such as the world has rarely witness. But think of it, in between those years of 40 and 60, there were men and women who were followers of Jesus Christ who managed to thrive while working in the very palace of Caligula, Claudius, and Nero. Paul, under house arrest in Rome, testified about this reality when he sent this greeting to those in Philippi, and he said, those precious saints of God who reside in Caesar's household send their greetings. The point I'm trying to make here in the introduction is this. There may be a difficult place and a difficult time and a crazy situation, but there'll still be a church in the midst of difficulty and craziness. Hallelujah. We shouldn't think too much of this conundrum. God's going to have a household of Caesar in the world. Doesn't matter how bad it gets, there's still going to be somebody that's going to stand and say, I'm going to be a child of God in the midst of a world that is amiss. Let's not, let's, not, let's not think that too strange of an idea because there have always been saints in crazy places. Noah was in an age of unrighteousness in a world that had completely lost their minds and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There has always been a child of God in, in wild and uncertain places and environments and it was Noah that said, I'm going to follow the path of God. It was Abraham that came out of the Ur of the Chaldees, a very idolatrous nation. Where are you going, Abraham? I don't know where I'm going, but I'm stepping out in faith because this world is not good enough for me, and I'm following the promises of God. There has always been a person of faith in very difficult circumstances. Moses and the Hebrews came out of Egyptian bondage. There's always going to be a saint of God in a crazy place. 
Rahab came out of the rubble of Jericho because there'll always be, even if you're a prostitute, there'll always be a saint of God in Caesar's household. I'm willing to walk away from everything, but I want to follow this one true living God that has all power in his hand. Gideon came out of a hole in the ground to triumph over the Midianites when the angel appeared and said, you're a mighty man of valor. There's always been a saint in Caesar's household. Daniel and the Hebrew children in Babylonian captivity when it seemed like there was nobody else living for God and nobody else interested in living for God. There were, there were four individuals that give to us great faith in the middle of dire circumstances, facing a fiery furnace and an image that was erected in which they were to bow down to. And they said, we're not bowing to this image. And we're not afraid of the lion's den because we believe that the hand of God is going to be with us and is upon us. There's always been saints in difficult circumstances. Jonah came out of the belly of a whale to Nineveh to preach to a most wicked city and didn't even want to go and God did mighty things. I don't want to, I don't want God to have to force me to get revival. I'm desiring revival. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that wants to take the ride with me? I don't want to be confined to a belly of a whale because I won't go preach to a world around me. I want to testify about God's goodness and his greatness. He's a God that can redeem and save. And if there's somebody that's hungry, I want to reach them. I want to find them. The prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi all came out of stale and dry religion to proclaim a new day. The crazy place that they were in is they were the few that were in the church, in the church in the wilderness, that were in the church that wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they felt outnumbered by everybody else, and here they were prophesying the things of God. Let it it never ever be the case nor the history in a church in which there's somebody that wants to do right and everybody else is doing wrong. Wants revival but everybody else doesn't want revival. Hallelujah. Let revival continue to roll and let there be people sitting in the pews and on the platform that are determined that we must have apostolic revival in this day and age. It may be a crazy world but there's saints I said the saints are coming to this city, Bakersfield, California. We're going to have an influence in our world. Praise God. It was a church. It was a church that somehow through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women were received, their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured 
not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. But wherever the church may be, in the midst of craziness, in the midst of tumult, in the midst of upheaval, in the midst of chaos, and in the midst of confusion, God is looking to move. Wherever there's a saint of God, God's looking to move. There's going to be a revival wherever there is somebody that wants to see something happen. I don't care if the world's upside down. My Bible tells me there's always been a saint in Caesar's house. There's always been a saint of God in difficult circumstances. You need to lift your head and lift your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help and say, God has called me to a time like this. Let's lift our hands and our voice and praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Come on over to this building. We worship you, Lord, and praise you and worship. We, we realize we're in a crazy, mixed-up world. But we're going to be a people of revival. You're not going to be a people of revival if there's no prayer. Man, that got, that got, that got nothing. I'm telling you, there's not going to be revival if there's no prayer. There's got to be some prayer if there's ever going to be a revival. We want chains broken. We want people freed. It's not going to happen with patty cake for Jesus. But if somebody can get an understanding and revival of prayer, things are going to happen in crazy places. That didn't get near the response that it should have. I'm talking about coming into the sanctuary with a purpose and saying, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God for revival. I want signs and wonders and healings to take place. We're going to be a people called by his name and a people of prayer. Nobody should have to drag you into the house of God. You should come willingly because you recognize I want to be a saint of God. We need a revival of prayer. I'm not talking about sitting on the pew and kind of nodding off. I'm talking about people that will lift their voice and pray. I'm talking about somebody that is not afraid, not intimidated, and not influenced by anybody else and by a quiet building, but has an attitude that says, I'm going to fill this sanctuary with faith and understanding and belief and revival. Strongholds are going to come down. Chains are going to be broken. If there's going to be revival, there has to be praise and worship in a pew and, and better yet, out in an aisle. 
If there's going to be a move of the Holy Ghost in crazy places, it's going to take a place because a saint of God in a crazy place has recognized a lot of people are worshiping a lot of different things. But I have the opportunity to worship one that is greater than all of those things. And I'm entering into the house of God. I'm walking in faith and I'm worshiping God. Praise God, somebody ought to clap your hands right now. Somebody ought to lift your voice right now. And if you're real radical, somebody, hallelujah, ought to dance just a little bit and say, we may be in a crazy place. But God has always had saints in Caesar's household. God's going to have some saints. In crazy times, he's going to have some saints. Just. Praise God. That's it. Go ahead and let that out. Let that out. Let that out. You want God to break chains and tear down strongholds? It's going to have to happen in prayer. It's, it's going to have to happen in people that are, but people that are not intimidated by the enemy, but influenced by the power of the Holy Ghost. We need God to shake us. Maybe you're accustomed to being in a crazy world. I don't want anything to do with this crazy world. God, help me see a kingdom that is greater, that is bigger, that is mightier. I don't want to be caught up in stuff that's inferior. but just let me end it right here, okay? I got a whole lot more to preach, but I want to end it with what I'm talking about here tonight. When people start praying, when people start praying, when people start praying, signs, miracles, and wonders take place. That's not just some fanciful thinking, something way out there that I can't comprehend. That's something that really happens. Let me give you an example of how it happens. Deborah Jones is here tonight. Wave your hand, Deborah. That's Deborah Jones. Deborah Jones had valley fever, and she mentioned it to her neighbor, which happened to be Delia and Maisha. Delia and Maisha said, we're going to take that to the church, and we're going to pray about it. 
You know why that woman's walking down these aisles right now? You know why she's even here tonight? It's because God healed her of valley fever. When she went back to the doctor, the doctor said, you don't have any valley fever. You know why? Because because there were some saints in Caesar's house that said, there's a lot of other things that may capture your attention, but there's nothing that can capture your attention. She has returned here to this building several times to tell the church that God has healed her from valley fever. God, would you open up the windows of heaven and would you pour out a revival upon us? Oh, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. You ain't ready. There's Caesar. There's saints in Caesar's household. There's people that need the Holy Ghost. There's, I believe this. There are people that are going to start coming out of the woodwork saying, I've been looking for you a long time. Thank God I finally found you because somebody was praying. Somebody was worshiping. The church has the opportunity to be at its best when the world is at its worst. Well, we just live in, we, we live in Bakersfield. You're in the best place that you could be for revival. Do you realize we have the highest pregnancy rate just about in the entire nation with teenage girls? Do you realize we have the most sexually transmitted diseases by percentages? Do you realize we live in a crazy place, but it's an opportunity in a crazy place to have revival because people have been marginalized, torn down, destroyed by the enemy. But thank God there's somebody still praying. There's somebody. We live in California, and in California, there's so many regulations and taxes. We only have a one-party state. It's terrible. It's a mess. I'm telling you, there are people in better places of the country that would love to be in this place because there's revival here, because there's a lot of hurt people. A lot of torn up people, a lot of addicted people, and they want a church that's powerful. Help us, help us, help us, help us.
I don't know why some of y'all are still standing around. That lady right there gives me reason enough to go absolutely bananas. That's what I've been praying for. God, somehow perform a miracle even beyond what I could think or imagine. Let it happen, Lord. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. You need to praise for you need to praise God for what you don't see. I thank you, Lord. I worship you because somebody is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost that don't even know how they're got into this place but it was because I prayed I worshiped I planted the seed come on somebody hallelujah lift up your voice God's going to do it in the midst of craziness he's going to joy 